Hello, and welcome to Faith Facts with Father Howard. I'm Lindsay, here with Father Howard, and on today's episode, we are talking about the first Sunday of Advent. Again, always good to be able to join you for these episodes and, and opportunities to, uh, to reflect and, and just to maybe think a little bit more about some of the things that we do and why we do them and, and how they can make a difference in our life. And when, when it comes to the first Sunday of Advent or the whole Advent season, in so many ways, it's, it's pushing that reset button. When you think of everything that has gone on since the end of November last year, you know, of 2020, when we began that uh, Sunday of Advent, we, we were, had hardly anybody in churches. We were on Christmas Day in the masses. We were taking reservations. Please not again. Yeah. There was so much, so much going on. And uh, in some ways, I wonder if we didn't kind of miss it uh, because there were too many other things that were pulling us in, in a lot of different directions. And when you come to a, a new season, and, and really when you look at, once again, the season of Advent, which we have reminded people of any number of times, that the Feast of Christ, King of the Universe, closes out the liturgical year, uh, and it is the first Sunday of Advent, that begins a new year, and this year is year C. Do we get sparklers? We could and we only shoot wish. off fireworks <laughs> and funky little hats. We could only hope. Ugh. Uh, but it's it's an opportunity for us to, like I mentioned, to push the reset button, to be able to say in a way we start this all over again, and some people will in a way approach this as, oh no, we start this all over again. <laughs> Others will look at it as an opportunity of we start this all over again, looking at everything that has taken place, like I mentioned in the last year, of how it is to bring us through the celebration of, of the incarnation, uh, you know, the divine becoming human. It's to bring to us the life of Jesus in so many ways. It's to bring to us times of repentance times of great joy. It's to bring to us the memories of what it means for us to, you know, celebrate the, the life, suffering, death, resurrection of Jesus. How all of these things are to be key moments, you might say, of the, of the lives we live. How does this make a difference? Does it make a difference? We look at the the ordinal time or ordinary time, which can be perceived as mundane, more so what our church celebrates is that in the, the normal, the ordinary, uh, the presence, the power, the grace of God is acting uh, among the people each and every single day. And, and so we then, you know, come to a time where we are reminded, as we have been the last few Sundays, we are reminded that the fact is, is that all of this comes to an end. This does not just go on ad infinitum. This at some point will all come to an end. And, and What's this? The, this is our time. lives, the time. 
how we know our life to be at this point in time, how we know living here on earth and such, when does it happen? That's up to God and God alone, as even Jesus reminds us of that. Lord knows we have tried to predict that, and various groups have tried to predict that time and time and time again. They've always been wrong. We've had people who have had people do terrible things, you know, because they're preparing for whatever spaceship to come down from the skies in order to bring the end of time. <clears throat> and we have been, you know, we are reminded that, that how we have lived in our lifetime, using the gifts that God has given, that at some point in time also, when the end does come, that we will have to answer for that. We'll have to stand before God and answer for that. What that means, how that looks, we keep trying to describe it, and Lord knows we've described it in lots of different ways over the centuries. But I have, as I have said before, that no matter what terms we use or what description we use, it's recognizing that it's always inadequate. It never captures what, what somehow the infinite God we believe in, it never quite captures at all. Well, and if you think about it, you know, Jesus was not what people were expecting. Exactly. So you can almost assume it's not going to be what you expect it to be. Well, and there's a lot of truth to that. It, my grandmother used to say that when we die, there will be three major surprises. First surprise is, is that who we don't see. The second surprise is who we do see. And the third and the biggest surprise will be we're there. <laughs> And, and you know, it, it's, it doesn't really give all sorts of answers as much as it helps to put things in perspective. And I think you, you are so right, and, and you've also heard me say that the God we believe in is the God of surprises. The God who doesn't do anything or virtually anything the way we expect a God should or want him to and somehow surprises us all in in the, in the way that that the presence his divine presence is there how we are judged or not how you know how all of these things happen again and that's why it's important to for us to understand no matter what we do no matter what we say it's always inadequate and so advent getting back to <laughs> advent yeah is is an we always get there yeah we always do Getting back to Advent is recognizing that we have another opportunity to live well, to love deeply, to recognize the presence of God in our midst, to open ourselves to those surprises, to celebrate all that God has done, to, to reverse maybe some of those or to, to step off some of those paths that maybe aren't the healthiest for us or the best to be able to continue the paths that are, to discover God in all sorts of new ways, and then to celebrate it all over again, to be reminded that what we've done, we will have to answer for at some point, and to begin again. So we start this Advent now hitting that reset button. Kind of like a mini Lent, well, except you can say Alleluia. <laughs> yeah, 
although, although there can be penitential aspects to Advent, it really was not supposed to be penitential, not to the greatest degree. It was more supposed to be a sense of anticipation. Waiting, expectation. Yeah. It's, it's like that sense of you're waiting to go to a concert, you're waiting to go to a play, you're waiting to go to a big game. And whenever we wait for anything major in our lives, we always prepare for it. Whether it's by, you know, the party we plan around it, whether it's by the clothes we wear, whether it's by the music we might have, whether it's by the people, we always prepare for these major events. And Advent, spiritually, liturgically, is one of these major events and as we move toward the Christmas event, that somehow, even though we have done it before, is that we prepare ourselves. And that's what Advent has, has more centered on that. Now, are there penitential pieces to that? Sure there are. Think about, you know, we're preparing for Thanksgiving. Or we would have already celebrated Thanksgiving by the time this would come out. Think of how we prepared. Possibly where it's going to be, the food we're going to bring, who we can anticipate seeing, maybe some we really anticipate and others maybe not so much. Maybe we have, maybe we have even taken some steps to reconcile with someone so that there's less tension. And, and Lord knows, you know, that can you imagine tension among families? No. Is that we have these opportunities, these moments where we look at this and saying, you know, I want this to be a better Thanksgiving. Maybe we dread it. And, and that can be too. As I, I reminded people this, this past weekend that, you know, there are lots of times where for the holidays, for a good number of folks, are not merry, are not happy, are not joyful. They're nothing like that because they really struggle during these moments. You know, so we need to maybe even prepare for that. How many folks, as you are well aware, and I am too, of the numbers of funerals that we have had just in the past few months? Yeah. This will be the first time when a person enters has entered Thanksgiving or Advent or Christmas, you name it, this will be the first time that they will enter these seasons without that loved one, without that grandparent, without that parent, without that spouse, without that child, without that friend. This will be the first time that we do that. And even for a parish, you think of the numbers of people that, that have died in the past year. We had our marvelous celebration, you know, of those whose lives mm -hmm. uh, ended, you know, this past year of how we as a parish are different. You know, those people who are not the readers or the ministers are always sitting in that front pew or, you know, bring the cookies or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. We as a parish are changed. And this will be the first time when someone will be not be there and inevitably someone will say, well, who did that? And we'll say, well, that was Mrs. So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so yeah, they died this past year. And so we don't have that person 
So just as in some ways families grieve and individuals grieve, is that as a parish, we also grieve and we prepare ourselves. So that's why I, I, I try not to focus too much on the penitential piece of it. And there are, as I said, pieces mm -hmm. to that. But more the anticipatory, the waiting, the longing for, uh, recognizing that as we, as we prepare ourselves well to do all of that, we will be able to celebrate then much better. And in better ways, we'll be able to celebrate the moments that are in front of us, the moments that are yet to come. There is just so much here when you really think about and it. And it's only four short weeks. <laughs> exactly, it is. It's only short, four short weeks. But Actually, this year it's like a full four weeks compared yeah. to other years. Yes, that's right, because it goes all the way to Saturday. So you're right. Uh, I think it's the next year that it would be the longest mm -hmm. time that we have. Um, but you're so right. It's, it's only those sh four short weeks, and yet there is an awful lot that we try to fit in both penitential and rejoicing uh, and all of that. Well, and I think part of that is because uh, secular culture has starts celebrating oh. in, well, October for Christmas when really we're in preparation mode. So we shouldn't be celebrating until after Christmas. Well, true. It's, it's one of those things where I've already, you know, I have heard Christmas music and seen Christmas advertisements in July and August. Um, Hallmark Channel started showing Christmas movies in October. See, and, and it, in so many ways, it so rushes things that by the time that we hit Advent, the temptation is, is like, oh, for goodness sake, let's get this over with and let's get on with Christmas so we can get the heck out of here and we can get our homes back, you know, where they should be. Well, it's for me, it's like by the time Christmas, it's after Christmas, I don't want to listen to Christmas music anymore. <laughs> like, I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> but think about it, we've been planning for all of this, what, since... August and September already, you're right. We have been planning, and it's like when, the thing, when it comes to church work mm -hmm. and church people, we're never where we really are. We're always two, three, ahead. four months ahead, whether it's Christmas, Lent, <laughs> Easter, whatever it might be. Because you know as well mm -hmm. as I, we'll be talking about Lent real soon. No, and stop. We've hardly got, we haven't even gotten through Advent yet. No, let's talk about the first Sunday of Advent. First Sunday of Advent. This all leads up to the first Sunday Whoa, of Advent. how? <laughs> okay. What I wanted to center on a little bit more this, this time around, because we've had uh, a podcast where we have centered a bit on Advent, is I would like to take each week uh, individually and be able to talk a little bit about it. And what I want to use is the Psalms. Sometimes the Psalms really can get lost. Mm. We, we center on the readings, and usually, and, and, and rightly so, always looking at the gospel. But I think that the Psalm, particularly this first Sunday, has really something to offer. And this is Psalm 25. And the, the Psalm 25 for the first Sunday uh, reads like this. Your ways, O Lord, make known to me. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and for you I wait all the day. Good and upright is the Lord. 
Thus he shows sinners the way. He guides the humble to justice and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are kindness and constancy toward those who keep his covenant and his decrees. The friendship of the Lord is with those who fear him and his covenant for their instruction. Going back to the point that we were making before, when you asked about the penitential aspect of it, that's why I pull in more the anticipatory element. Is that whole sense of your ways, O Lord, make known to me, teach me your paths, guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and for you, I wait all the day. That sense waiting. of waiting. Anticipation. Yeah. And, and when you look at the, 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 the first Sunday of Advent again, it's that whole idea of anticipation. And, and we are saying as we enter this, this celebration, this, this holy and sacred season, we are saying in a very real way when we celebrate it well, is that I want to open myself more and more deeply these four weeks. I want to open myself more deeply that I might be taught the Lord's ways, that I might be open to the Lord's ways. You know, we talk about it in any number of ways, and, and you'll hear teachers, parents say this also. I have told my son or daughter this hundreds of times, and yet it's when their coach or when their teacher taught it that they finally were open to it. <laughs> We've all been there. True. You know, how many times... I can't imagine how many times I, as a young man growing up, probably heard my, my parents say numerous things, hundreds of times. It's not until maybe a hero of mine, or maybe with whoever or however that might be, maybe it was a professor of mine. It wasn't until I heard that or maybe read that by an author or whatever, it finally struck me where I had that aha moment and I realize that's what they were trying to teach me. <laughs> Selective and, listening or uh, hearing. Very much so. And, and we do that on all levels of our lives. Mm -hmm. Whether it's our emotional, whether it's our educational, whether it's our spiritual, we do it all the time. And sometimes it's amazing how, you know, teachers will say something about a son or a daughter to their parents in a conference and they'll say, you know what your son or daughter said? Or do you know what they did? And the parents are blown away because they just didn't think that their child was listening. Who knows why? Who knows why? Um, maybe that's one of the mysteries of God. Advent can be one of those times and can be that time where maybe we have heard something how many hundreds of times, whether it's from the scriptures, whether it's from a teacher or whether it's from a, a spiritual counselor or a spiritual guide for us, how many times have we heard it and it just didn't hit us? Just plain hit us at all. You know, when, when I look at the readings from the prophet Jeremiah, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise that I made to the house of Israel and Judah. How many times... Did the Jewish leadership of Jesus' time read that scripture? Probably had most of it memorized. And yet, 
could not hear or maybe didn't want to hear or may, whatever, but how they couldn't hear it. How many times have we read that? When you think of the numbers of cycles in close to 40 years that I have gone through, you know, with the, with the three-year cycles of the scriptures, how many times have I heard that? And maybe this year it's going to hit me like it never did before. Well, and that's the same with reading any scripture anytime. You, depending on where you are in your life, it hits you differently. That's one of the marvelous mysteries and miraculous, you might say, aspects of the Bible is that depending, you're right, depending on where you are at any point in time, depending upon what is happening or has happened in your life this year since last time, mm-hmm. you hear a scripture like you've never heard it before. I have had women who have um, dear friends of mine that are pregnant and they said Advent takes on a whole new meaning now that they have a different appreciation of what it means to anticipate something Mm -hmm. and how you have different points to that of you can't wait, you can't wait to get it over with. There are good moments and there are horrible moments in the midst of it all. And yet, ultimately, it's out of your control, no matter how how many times you might say, you know, a doctor will say, this is the date, unless you're basically having a cesarean, you don't know the date. The date is up, in a sense, to God time, when that child decides, now I want out, Mm -hmm. you know. But they have a whole different appreciation when it comes to Advent. That's the beauty of it all. That if we are open to this and we look at the season, which can have so many levels to it, as we spoke about, that if we're open to that, this Advent can be like no other Advent. I have a practical question. Sure. So every new liturgical year, so first Sunday of Advent, we start a different cycle. You said in year C, which is Luke. Okay, that changes the gospel, but does that change the first reading and the psalm and second reading. It changes. Everything changes. All of the readings change. The only the only cycles that stay the same going back and forth are the cycles one and two when it comes to weekday readings. Hmm. Those, the gospel always stays the same and the gospel even always stays the same for year one or year two. But the first reading changes. But that's the only place. When it comes to the, the cycles within uh, the, the different years, A, B, or C, is that all of the readings change. Some center a little bit more on Isaiah or less. Some might center a little bit more on Jeremiah or not so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the different cycles connect with the various gospel writers depending upon where, where, you know, which year we are okay. in. So yes, and, and again, that's part of the beauty of it, is that when you think about waiting for three years how much has happened in a sense since three years ago yeah you know nobody ever heard of covid three years ago (laughs) you know we were going about our lives you know just very nicely thank you very much and yet three years ago again we hear this psalm three years ago we hear these these scriptures and now something strikes us in ways that we we couldn't have imagined before so it's there like I said, there is a real grace and a beauty in all this that allows us to, I think, to live 
more deliberately to make you know some real deliberate and proactive choices that you think about how do I prepare myself this year? How do I prepare myself to celebrate the Christmas event? Again, Emmanuel, uh, the incarnation, the divine becoming human. How do I prepare myself with these readings, with these psalms, so that I can celebrate this and appreciate it even more than I have, have ever appreciated it in my 60 plus years of life. Um, and, and, and that's where, you know, I look at different years, you know, when I, uh, since I've been ordained in, in the early 80s, that you look at it from, wow, I can't, I can't wait, you know, to celebrate Christmas for the very first time and to do, you know, you do all the extra things and all of that stuff. You also move through a time at points where, oh God, let's get this over with because maybe you're exhausted. But I think that there's a maturity that comes with time, or I hope there is. There's a maturity where you do anticipate, but it's in a different way. One, you anticipate it just personally in a different way. Two, you anticipate it with a greater sense of wisdom when it comes to people's families and, and, and what they're going through. That, you know, doesn't everybody look, you know, approach it like I do as the <laughs> young priest who wants to celebrate this and, and to make it as long as I possibly oh, can. And, no. You know, to where, you know, your mass is going to last two hours. We want to get to the presence. We want to yeah. get to the presence. And, and you, you, you begin to look at that and appreciate yeah, that families experience that, particularly with younger children. Let's get to the presence. <laughs> you know, they do. And there's a great joy in that. And there should be a great joy. And I would say that the Spirit of God works in surprising ways, even in those moments when they're, you know, shredding things all to pieces. Everybody's in their jammies, you know, and, and they, you know, all of those marvelous, marvelous things is that there is a great joy in all of that, as there should be. But how do you then bring some of that out by appreciating those moments, not somehow poo-pooing it as, this isn't important, these are stupid, this is dumb, this is just social, this is our society trying to take it all away, yada, yada, yada. Well, no, it's not. No, it's not. You know, Jesus never said that. Um, as opposed to being able to say, in the midst of all of these marvelous family moments, some that are marvelous and some maybe not so much, some that are joyful and maybe there are tears, some that are hopeful and maybe for a person it's hopeless at that point in time, that in the midst of all of that life and living, we are trusting that somehow we are being open to the ways of God so that teach me your ways, O God. And, and we say that with a sense because your ways are beyond my ways. Your thoughts are beyond my thoughts. Teach me your ways so that I may walk that path. 
Advent in so many ways can become that marvelous, marvelous time where we prepare ourselves to celebrate these incredible moments. But to do that, we need to prepare. <laughs> you know, too often we say, well, I'll just fly by the seat of my pants. Oh, that, that's nice once in a while. But not if we really want to celebrate something to really take it in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's more important that we, we celebrate it and we appreciate it and we recognize the tremendous good that is there that's been right there before us all this time. <laughs> Maybe we just couldn't see it. And, and we are saying this year, I want to see it. Now... I read somewhere, I think it was an email from the Arch, that said the, maybe the first two Sundays in Advent are really talking about the end times, not necessarily the birth of that. That is true. Jesus. That is true. It's apocalyptic, as, oh, as you might no. say. <laughs> Cover your ears. Um, it is using language. <clears throat> excuse me. It's using language at, like, There will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on earth. Nations will be in dismay, perplexed by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will die of fright in anticipation. Um, But see, even with that, even with that, um, it says here, And when they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory, But when these signs begin to happen, stand erect, raise your heads, because your redemption is at hand. It doesn't say fall on the ground, cower with shame, beat yourselves. Or anyone else. Or anyone else, yes. But it's stand erect, raise your heads, your redemption is at hand. That's from the Gospel of Luke. That is correct. Yes, indeed. They are using end time language. But remember, the word apocalypse and apocalyptic means revealing a truth. It is a time when the truth will be revealed. What better way, in a sense, to prepare during Advent than to prepare ourselves for a great truth that is to be revealed? It's like a double meaning there. Very much so. But yes, the first two two weeks uh, do speak of more end-time language. And then we go into Gaudete, uh, which is more rejoicing, giving thanks. And the O Antiphons, which we talked about last year. That is correct. And and we move into a, a time which speaks more of a sense of joy and a sense of hope. Um, it's, it's that opportunity, you might say, that even in the moment, you, you know, how many times have we heard when it comes to uh, healing our bodies or through sickness or through injury, no pain, no gain. Uh, how many times have you heard that? You know, I, I don't know if you've ever had to wear a cast. I have had to wear several of them. Nope. And the itching that goes on underneath that cast is incredible, where people want to take hangers and put it down there, which is horrible. Dangerous, idea. yeah is that people will say, if it's itching, it means it's healing. Or if it's feeling this way, it means that your body is healing. Spiritually, why would we not think in some ways of going through that same thing? Sometimes it's the the difficult things of, of repentance, of atoning, of saying we're sorry, of those kinds of things 
that can open doors like never before. And all of a sudden, we have a door that is open to us that we couldn't have imagined before. We thought they were always going to hate us. We were always going to hate them. Uh, that, that forgiveness and, and all of these things don't take just moment, aren't momentary. They take time to heal. We didn't think we would ever learn to love again or be happy again. And yet, the moment happens and, and we begin to see life in a whole new way. That's Advent. That's the grace of Advent. And that's the grace in so many ways of the truth being revealed by these end-time images <clears throat> that we have to go through the cross. And, and that we have to go through the cross. Not around it, over it, under it. We have to go through the cross. That's apocalyptic literature. That's end-time literature. That's the reminder of the great truths that are yet to be revealed to us so that we are able to live more freely. And as Jesus would say, you know, my burden is easy, my yoke is light, is that when these things are lifted from us, letting the Lord do the heavy lifting, as I would say, is that we discover a whole new way to live and how to love and appreciate these Christmas moments like never before, <laughs> like never before. Advent can do all of that for us if we let it, let it. And I would say if we prepare ourselves to allow the Lord to be open or allow ourselves to be open, to have the Lord teach us his ways and so that we are able to be guided in his truth and to be taught in his ways. Advent is a marvelous, marvelous time. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. We'll probably leave it there. Pick yes. up next time for the second Sunday of Advent. I love Advent. There's candles and light and dark yes. and, oh, it's my favorite. And pink colored vestments, right, Father? Oh, if we need to. <laughs> if we need to. All right. We will leave it there. Uh, see you next time. Take care. Take care.